Time for our Friday conversation with one of the rising stars in women's basketball. You are at Locked on Women's Basketball. You are Locked on Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And a happy Friday morning to you. Although I know it is technically Wednesday as we're recording this, but this is our Friday conversation at Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, founder and editor at The Next. And I am joined by... Carly Thibault Dudanis, who I said this off air before we got here. This was always just a matter of when, not if, where Carly was going to get to the point where she had her own program. So, Coach, first of all, congratulations and welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to, to be a part of the Stags fam. We've been expecting you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's talk first, if we could, about how you got here. People ought to know. I mean, I, I use the phrase the Kennedys of women's basketball coaching. Do you think that is a fair way to put it? Would you put it differently? You know, how do you guys think of this family, you know, with Mike Tebow, who, you know, all of you know, and and Blake, of course, who has coached as well, and Eric as an assistant with the Mystics. There's just there's so much coaching talent there. Is is the Kennedys a fair and accurate designation? Uh, it depends on how you want to look at it. It could be that. It could be the mafia because you just can't get rid of us. You know, I don't. I don't know. However, you want to look at it. But um, yeah, we we are we're obviously uh, all over the the map in, in women's basketball. But um, yeah, I feel really blessed to have great people in my corner. You grew up in Connecticut. You know, when Mike was coaching the Sun for for this extended period of time. How much? Because I am quite certain this was not the only program that had come to talk to you along the way. That how much was going home, in a sense, a critical part of your thinking when it came to coming to Fairfield? It was a big part of it, um, among a lot of other a lot of, a lot of other reasons. But it had been a long time since I'd been, um, you know, within driving distance of anybody in my family. It'd been almost nine years, so it just felt like the right time to to come back to this area. And obviously, Connecticut's an area that I'm that I'm comfortable with, have lived in, played high school basketball, AAU basketball in this area, so. For a lot of reasons, it was a, a great fit, um, among other things, like I said. But uh, it was nice to be able to have my my mom at the press conference yesterday and just a, a train ride up. So there's a lot of, um, you know, awesome benefits to be so close to family. In, in terms of your mom, are there, is there a lot of other family in Connecticut? Is it, you know, what what is what is the family situation <laughs> like? And, you know, how many tickets does that mean you didn't have to put aside for every game? So from a relative standpoint, there's not a ton um, in Connecticut. That's, you know, we always have joked that our whatever team or, you know, program we've been with has always been our basketball family because we've had relatives more so actually on the West Coast. Um, but as we've moved so much with, with jobs of my dad and myself, um, there's not really been relatives in that area. But so my, my most of my family is in D.C. My husband's family is in North Carolina, um, so both East Coast. But I have a ton of, you know, a ton of friends from high school and um, college that are still in this area. So from that standpoint, there will definitely be a, a need for tickets. <laughs> in terms of Blake and, uh, and getting him 
accustomed to the Northeast. What are kind of the watchwords you've given him uh, as a way of, you know, getting him comfortable here in what we both know is the best region of the country? <laughs> well, he actually um, has done a, has, has coached on the East coast and on the Northeast before. So he's, his first coaching job was at Merrimack up in Massachusetts. Um, and he's coached at Buffalo. Um, that's actually where we met when he was at Buffalo and I was at Eastern Michigan. So he's, he's familiar with the Northeast for sure. Um, which is nice, you know, that he, he's, he's excited to come back to some seafood and some things like that. Um, but yeah, we're both pretty familiar, maybe not so much with Connecticut, but I think we'll both just have to reacquaint ourselves with the uh, driving on 95. <laughs> oh God. I, I have long advocated for there being specific lanes in Connecticut for people who are connected to women's basketball. I'm, I've said we could brand them as Lobo lanes. It's just something, <laughs> you know, just bring it up. Just, just something to keep in mind. I'm hoping the powers that be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not convinced that Buffalo counts as the Northeast. It feels more Midwest than Northeast <laughs> to me, but I'm willing, I'm willing to allow it. I'm willing but to. He did, well, the, the, the counter argument to that is that he's recruited in New York and recruited in this area when he was there. So he did recruit this, you know, this area. But I agree. It's it's in the Mac, the other Mac. So it's it's definitely a Midwest conference. <laughs> this is very true. Now, the Mac is just an excellent conference as a whole. I'm wondering where you see it on the pecking order and how much you see it as a particular launching pad for a program. You know, what, what do you think a Mac program can and should be if you get it to the maximum place it ought to be? Mm -hmm. Well, for, you know, I think I, I, I requote Paul, our AD that said it best is that while we had a, a, a great year last year, we don't necessarily look at it as a pinnacle, but we look at it as a, a springboard into what we can, what we can do. So obviously the, the team last year went to the NCAA tournament um, but I do think we're a, a league that can produce teams like Quinnipiac has shown before that you can you can you know make some noise in the tournament. Um, I I I played at Monmouth, which last year was in the MAC, um, but we weren't in the MAC when I played. We were in the NEC. Hmm. Uh, so I do think obviously the MAC is is a, a step up, and it's a league that you can be recognized for sure. Um, and there's some great teams, so there's great competition every night. Yeah, Trisha, Trisha's Quinnipiac team showed you to play with anybody. You to play yep, with anybody. Exactly. That that pro uh, up and down the match, the the, the basketball is just fantastic to see on a consistent basis. If you think about the Mac, and, and I'm just wondering if you do uh, to similar a similar launching pad to what Gonzaga has been able to be out west. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you see that as something comparable in terms of you know being able to consistently um, either get high high double digit or even low single digit seeds in the NCAA tournament uh, year in and year out? Um, eventually, I mean, I think that's a that took a lot of years in the making. Um, okay. But I do, I mean, I think that then now, you know, women's basketball has showed that anything is possible there. And I definitely think the MAC has shown um, that they can be a really competitive basketball conference. Um, and you, I mean, in the, in the NCAA tournament this past year, we all watched it. We've all watched teams like Creighton and South Dakota that, that have done that and they've been good. Um, and so I think it's just continuing to, to show that you can stay on top of the MAC and then, um, you know, continue, continue to schedule well, put, you, put yourself in a position um, in the non-conference. So then you can, uh, like you said, jump up to some higher seeds. The building block of coming into a team that's won 25 games is not usually something you get when you get to come take over your own program. I mean, how much did that play a part? Because, again, you know, being in Minnesota, which we should get into uh, shortly uh, because you had incredible success over there before coming here. Uh, how much did it matter that this was a program that in a lot of ways was turnkey? Yeah, I mean, I love that the the women know how to win. That's a really hard mindset to develop. It's a culture that you have to develop and usually takes a long time. So the women know how to win. 
Um, and now it's just, you know, trying to keep this core group together. I know the transfer portal is crazy everywhere, um, but trying to keep this core group together. Um, so that that's that's a huge part of just developing a winning culture, though, is that mindset and the, the, the work ethic that it takes to win. Let's talk about the the transfer uh, culture and the way in which it affects things. But first, we're going to pay some bills. Um, we're going to talk about Built Bar, which is something that for those of you who have given up on your New Year's resolution is something to look into. Uh, you can eat candy bars every day. Uh, these are protein infused marshmallow bars covered in 100 percent real chocolate, but they're only 130 calories, four net carbs and 17 grams of protein. So if you are and you know, I'm not speaking about anyone specifically, but let's say covering the NCAA tournament and not having time to work out uh, very much. It was a chance to stay relatively in shape while I got through Minneapolis in the final four and got home. And so Built Bar is a thing that allows you to enjoy indulgences while at the same time enjoying all those flavors without a lot of the guilt that goes along with it. 130 calories, four grams net carbs. So you go to built.com and you use code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you can try these built bars and see what you think. It's our discount code. It's one that's used by my mom all the time, and she loves it. So again, built.com, tell them Grandma Myrna sent you. So I'll, let's talk about, I mean, so... I just want people to have the context for this, right? You're Mississippi State, and in a total coincidence, you guys were bringing in these elite recruiting classes year after year. Then you go to Minnesota, and it's a top 10 recruiting class. And not only was it top 10, but the thing that really struck me is it's all Minnesota grown. So you are going to different regions of the country and recruiting where you're at. And you're you're taking that fertile ground and turning it into the players that help build a program. How do you consistently do that? What are like the basic watchwords that have allowed you to succeed in this way everywhere you've been? Uh, I think for me so far, not having been a head coach and been, been an assistant coach and a recruiting coordinator is I think you have to be intentional to recruit to your head coach and what your head coach wants to coach and who they are in their style. And that's what, you know, I was able to do for coach Schaefer is find players that fit him. Um, and then the same thing, this, this current recruiting class and some that have come before it at Minnesota, same thing as, as players that recruit or that, excuse me, that fit coach Whalen. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think it's just, you know, being really authentic in your relationships, a lot of consistent communication, whether it's phone calls and FaceTimes and text messages and Snapchats and, you know, whatever else, tick now, you know, following them on TikTok and being able to, to really know what's going on in their life. Um, and, and not just having kind of the same conversation over and over again is, you know, being able to, to know what's going on and talk to their family, talk to the surrounding people, whether it's, you know, mom, dad, grandma, um, high school coach, AAU coach, sibling. There's a lot of people that, that um, impact a decision of a young woman. So trying to make inroads with everyone around them, high, you know, high school teacher or president, you know, um, principal, whoever it is. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is just being really authentic, being um, intentional to match that person with the, the program and the head coach, uh, and then just being really consistent in your communication. When you have those communications, when a player commits, does it feel like there's a need to continue to recruit even the players that you already have just because the transfer per transfer portal has become such a significant part of the landscape. Mm -hmm. I, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that's something that 
while you have to re-recruit them every year, um, I think it's just also how you operate day to day is that you continue to show them that they're, that they have value and that you value them. Um, but every year, I mean, you could do everything right. And now somebody could still decide to transfer because they can. Um, and there's not a lot of restrictions on it and there's not, um, there's not a lot holding somebody back now other than they just love the place. They love the school. They love their teammates. You know, there's a lot of reasons, but, but now somebody just can transfer because they can. So you can do everything right and they can still go, or you can do everything right. And you obviously can keep your team together. Um, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of factors with the transfer portal with, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a, a perfect storm as we talk about a lot, because with COVID, everybody got an extra year to play with. So a lot of times now someone's been four years at a school and is like, well, I've got a fifth year to go to go do what I want. Um, everybody had a bigger roster. Not everybody. Most teams had a bigger roster this year because you could exceed um, the 15 scholarship roster limit with some super seniors. So mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you know teams had two, three, four, five players that didn't play this year. Right. Um, and then the one-time transfer rule transfer rule changed in the, within the past year. So you've got three factors that just kind of ex- you know really. I don't, you know, exaggerate the transfer portal this year. Do you think these are one-time factors or do you think this is the new reality going forward? What's your read on it? A little bit of both. I think um, it will be a little bit inflated these next couple of years until that extra COVID year um, is no longer a factor. Um, But I do think it's now, I mean, you're going to just see more transfers because like I said, you can, Um, there's not, you don't have the redshirt year or anything like that. You don't have any restrictions on interconference or anything like that. So there's um you still see it, but I think it'll be inflated the next couple of years. To the other side of it, which obviously you know there are there's movement in coaching. This is as we talked about. This was a matter of when, not if. But how hard was it for you to move on from University of Minnesota and you know everything uh, that you guys were building over there? It was probably the hardest decision I've had to make. Um, I loved working for Coach Whalen first and foremost. We have. We had the best staff. I loved the people I worked with every day. They were family. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I enjoyed working. I, I enjoyed going to work. I could, I could spend time with anybody on our staff and have a good time. Um, and then I just think that that's a special group coming together for the next couple of years in Minnesota. Um, they all, again, they want to do it the right way. They're invested in one another. That, that incoming class is great. And they've already meshed so well with our, our returners there. So it's, it was really hard. Um, but I'll be, I told all of them, I'll be your biggest fan cheering in Connecticut. And there's a lot of them cause there's a lot of Lindsay Whalen fans in Connecticut. So George. I'll be the biggest one. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it for a second. So <laughs> you so you come to Fairfield where obviously again, 25 wins uh, last year is a significant place to start, but it's also in a lot of ways, a team you get to put your own stamp on. So I'm wondering, you know, now that you finally get a chance to do that, what does that look like? And I'll just give one example, right? You guys were 342nd in the country in pace. Mm-hmm. It was it was not a team that played fast, to put it mildly. Is that the type of thing that changes? You know, take me through sort of the way in which you think you can put your stamp on, you know, what this group is already. Yeah, so a lot of credit to Coach Frager because they did have, they did a lot of things right, um, and they were really efficient offensively, but they did play a little bit slower. Um, and so that is, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's something that I've talked with the women about of that should bode well because they are good offensive players to, to have more possessions in the game. Um, and so I, I, that's, that's a big thing for me is playing with more pace. And sometimes that looks like scoring in transition. And sometimes that looks like just getting the ball up quicker and getting into something quicker. Um, but they were, they were really good in kind of a set oriented offense um, in the last few years. So 
finding a happy balance, you know, medium of, of what this team is really strong at and, but playing with more possessions in the game. Um, so I will, I will steal and do what they did really well, but kind of, you know, put my own, my own stamp on it as well. And so I would imagine I, I've never talked to a player in all my years covering who was like, Oh, I, I want to play slower. I would imagine that helps with this conversation as you're talking to players, you know, about staying and about, uh, you know, continuing the work. Well, I have been really transparent with them because every every player in the country says they want to play fast, like you said. Um, but then you say, OK, well, then we have to run <laughs> and we have to get in shape. And that's kind of the the reality that that sometimes has to set in. But I, I, I've been really transparent. Like We're going to have to get in better shape. We're going to have to run. We're going to have to you know, do everything with with more pace, which they all are. Um, they all understand. And that's not that's not a surprise. So that's the kind of the caveat with it is like, OK, that's great. But now we got to get on the line and run. <laughs> Very true. And so as you look for your own brand of players, as you recruit in this area, what what do you, you know, Connecticut obviously has a really rich talent base, as you yourself are an example of. There's throughout the Northeast, you know, New Jersey is, is super rich uh, with talent as well. You know, what does your recruiting base look like as you sort of think and build out? Well, that's the neat thing. You said it. There's there's a great surrounding area. Um, however, I do think you can still pull like one of their their um, starting point guard last year was from Minnesota, ironically. Mm-hmm. So you can pull from some of those Midwest states where there's not as many of these like, you know, Minnesota. There was just Minnesota and now St. Thomas, if you mm-hmm. want to play Division One. So there's been there's been schools across the country that have really recruited places like Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, the Dakotas, Iowa, really strong. So that's something that I continue kind of to use some of my background in, and then they've also had a lot of success with international players, um, which I've, I've coached at, at all my, all my stops pretty much and played with when I played in college. I think there's a lot of, a lot of value there. So you can pull. Yep. I was just going to say, is, is is that something easier to do now than it was five years ago? Is there a a greater network of international talent uh, that allows you easier connection to those players? It's a. It's definitely more common. I don't know if that makes it easier because now more schools are doing it, mm-hmm. um, but it is more common. There's, there's, you know, I won't say every team, but a ton of teams in the country now have internationals, um, and that's a, a perk for us with us being so close to New York. Um, we're a 45 minute drive from LaGuardia, so you can get in and out easily from pretty much anywhere in Europe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and less than an hour drive from my house, which makes it easier. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> about that too. In terms of just like bigger picture for this program, what does the three to five year arc of success look like in your mind as you sort of plot it out? Yeah. So, I mean, this year will obviously be a year that we would, if we can get everybody to, to come back and stay, then I think we can, we can challenge for another, another Mac championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's some ifs with that, but that's, that's the goal every year. Because um, we're, like you said, we're not starting from scratch, but it's also not, um, it's not a given either. Um, but I think for us in, in three to five years, we want to be competing for that, that Mac championship every single year. Um, and, and then the next step for us is to, to be able to compete in that first game in the NCAA tournament. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, again, that, that takes a lot of things to go right and a lot of work between now and then, but I don't think that's um, out of the question in the, in the next five years. I don't think it is. I, I would be very surprised if it doesn't happen, just full disclosure. So uh, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about just what it is like to be in a family of coaches. But real quick, I've got one more bill to pay. And uh, that is betonline.net, your number one source for all betting stats and sports info. Find your latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's uh, NBA playoffs and the start of the MLB season. For me, why it matters, though I do not bet. 
uh, is that there is uh, significant women's basketball lines, both at the collegiate and at the pro level. Uh, that is important. That is vital for equality in terms of eyeballs on the sports. So go to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn about the trends in action. BetOnline is where the game starts. And so in terms of where the game starts for the T-Bow clan, I just wonder, all right, you're, like, for instance, you're watching a game with Blake. You're watching a game with your dad, with your brother. Is Are, are you uh, critiquing it the way, for instance, my father, who is an attorney, critiques every legal drama he sees? Is it in a different way when the family gets together to watch basketball? Take me through what that is like. You know, for us, I think it's just an everyday thing. I don't know if we think about it as any any different, but, um, you know, I think we we do watch or we'll, you know, there's a lot of times that we'll write down and we'll rewind a play. <laughs> well, you know, now everything you can, you can rewind. So you rewind and write something down or you say, hey, I like that. Or you steal little nuances of the game here and there. Um, or you, especially end of game situations, you're like, ah, would you foul here? Would you take one? Would you, you know, that, that conversation all the time. Um, and so that's a that's kind of a given in our households. Um, and, you know, people always joke with with Blake and I is like, don't you don't you guys talk about anything else? Or is it hard to separate it? And I'm like, no, we it's what we do. And and that's the fun thing about being a basketball coach is it's not a nine to five. It's a it's an all day, every day who you are type of thing. So, um, yeah, there's there's not much time, you know, many times when the game's on and we're not we're not talking about it or analyzing it or stealing something from it. <laughs> there is not a two for one situation that goes by that. I don't think about your husband from <laughs> that. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And then just even to, to bring it full circle, what was that conversation with your dad? Like when you finally got this offer, when you finally taken this job, you know, you, you've been in coaching obviously, but, but then that head coaching did had to be, had to be a different conversation. Take me through where you are and what that was like. Well, he's been telling me I've been ready for a while and I have not, I, I to be, truth be told, I haven't felt ready. Um, you know, and that, that's a huge testament to Lindsay. She's really um, helped me and prepared me, um, given me a lot of autonomy and some other things. So, um, but he's been telling me I'm ready. And um, he was, he was equally as excited about this opportunity for a lot of reasons, a place you can win, a place we're familiar with. It's close. It's great. You know, somewhere you can recruit great academic institution. Um, and then, and then people in the, in the athletic department and administration that not only want you to win, but want to help you win. And so that's, he, you know, he's been in a lot of different situations where that matters. That really does matter. And so I think from a lot of fronts, he was, you know, really excited, equally as excited as I was because of those things. What was there though, also an emotional component to it? I mean, I, all of that makes sense. Right. But I, I can, I can imagine there had to be a certain, uh, emotional resonance at that moment where he gets to see his 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 daughter you know following in this way yep so I think my mom's starting to get a bad rap but my mom cried my dad got it my dad you know hooped and hollered a little bit um so they were definitely both excited he was bummed he couldn't be at the press conference due to the WNBA training camp but um yeah the, the family is definitely excited and then kind of caveat is my brother's um in-laws are right down the road so we've got every we had some other people in Connecticut too I mean, just to be clear, your mom being emotional about your success, that that is not no one will call that a bad rap. I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to say it that way. You got well, called out in the uh, the press conference a couple of times for crying. I think that's where. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Listen, I, I've, I, I have children and uh, I cry uh, at the drop of a hat when they do anything. So I, I, I fully can relate to your mom on this. On this <laughs> well, listen. 
Carly Chibo Dudanish, this is, like I said, it was a matter of time. The success is a matter of time. I look forward to covering the program. I look forward to covering you winning an NCAA tournament game. It's just a matter of time. And before we go, just the final read to make sure that people know, uh, thank you for making Lockdown Women's Best Ball your first listen every day. Uh, some people may not know this, but uh, men also play basketball and uh, Lockdown NBA covers it. And so from the first jump ball, the playing tournament to the last possession of the finals, you can also follow uh, the men's league, Locked On NBA. In fact, I understand that uh, Mike Tebow was an assistant in the NBA uh, back in the day. So back with the Chicago Bulls. So, yes, in fact, there there is men's basketball, too. You can also follow it. It's not just about women's basketball, right? Locked On NBA. So, Carly. Thank you for your time. Really glad you were here with us and wishing you all the best. Thank you so much. And thank you, Howard, for all that you've done in women's basketball. It, it makes a difference. It's my pleasure. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.